You are listening to the Mimi B Podcast, a lifestyle podcast that is designed to help you transform your life and become the best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, we talk about health, personal growth, career, and pretty much everything else it takes to become the best you there is. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard. I own the online magazine, Mimi B, and I create courses on how you can upgrade your life to the next level. Every single one of us has the ability to produce extraordinary results in our lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Hey guys, welcome to part two of my series with Grace Kingswell. If you haven't listened to part one, go listen to it now. It's amazing and juicy, and you will have more backstory on what we're about to talk about. So let's talk about it. How did you realize that there was something wrong with your down there and your sex life? And how did you kind of figure out what to do about it? Yeah, so I still haven't figured out what to do about it, but I... I've never been, let's just talk about libido. I've never been an overly sexual person. Like I never really felt growing up like I craved sex or wanted sex. I also, I kind of touched on this in part one, but I was really unfortunate when I was 17 and I got incredibly sick with a lump on my left ovary. Um, At this time I was not sexually active and I was very, very sick for a few weeks um, I was actually in Spain on a language course and I had like the most terror, like you can't even imagine the pain in my stomach. And being so, as I was like interested in food and diet and everything, I was like, it must be something I'm eating. It must be something I'm eating. So I basically stopped eating for two weeks. Um, and I crawled through customs at Gatwick on the floor because I couldn't walk. I was in so much pain. And my mum and dad picked me up, like rushed me straight off to hospital. And it turned out I had this huge abscess on my ovary, which is like an infection. And at the time they were like, you're a medical mystery because there's no, because I wasn't sexually active, there was no way the infection could have got into my body, if that makes sense. Um, And anyway, I had a laparoscopy, which is like keyhole surgery and they drained the abscess. And that was kind of that. Um, I was 17 at the time, I was quite young. It was all very scary. And like, I didn't really... I wasn't really like listening a lot to what the doctors and stuff were saying, but my mum says now that she thinks she remembers him saying at the time there could be an issue with her tubes later on in life. Um, anyway, I then like got a boyfriend and everything and sex was very, very painful for me. And I think it's probably because I have a lot of scar tissue in that area. So when you have an operation, it creates this scar tissue it could have been that, and that's kind of what I say that it is, or it could have been, or probably is, like I have mental hangups over the fact that the first experience I had down in that area was people like probing me with stuff oh. and doing uncomfortable things. Yeah. So in my head, it's like there's this weird aura and like feeling that I have around sex and intimacy, and like I still can't really let anyone like touch my stomach. I don't really like that. So, like, if my husband like grabs me on the stomach I get really like angsty about it because like you know I have scars there and like I've just I don't know what it is anyway so then four years later I was with a steady boyfriend I was at uni and I was like this isn't fair like sex is really uncomfortable for me I can't orgasm um I don't know what's going on but like this is not enjoyable it hurts and this is not the way that 
anyone would want to live their life. Like sex is supposed to be a pleasurable, enjoyable thing that brings you closer to your partner, right? So I went to my gynecologist and said, like, can we do anything about this? It's really sore. And he was said, okay, let's do a scan and like see if there's like ex- excessive scar tissue that's causing the issue or that kind of thing. So he did a scan and he said, oh, so actually your left fallopian tube is infected and we need to take that out because there's potential that the infected material in the tube, if that um, seeps down into your womb, then you're like royally screwed for like life and children and stuff. Whereas if you have no tubes, you can still have IVF. Um, so I was like, okay, that's fine. You're just going to take out one tube. Like I can still get pregnant naturally. I wasn't really thinking about children at the time, but I knew that like it would be fine. Um, and then when I woke up from the operation, they'd actually taken out both my tubes. <gasps> Why? Without your permission? Yeah. That's fucked up. Well, they made a judgment call and decided that they were both infected. I also took out my appendix at the same time, which I'm really annoyed about now because I've learned that your appendix is like a hub of your gut bacteria. Why did they take that out? My appendix was like stuck down by my groin. It's supposed to be up like under your ribs. Like everything in me was like incredibly stuck with adhesions and stuff. No wonder I was always having like such terrible like trap wind pains and everything and digestion and everything. So that was really hard mentally. And I went through like a massive downward spiral in terms of my mental health. Um, I had a job in the marketing department at Chanel at the time. And I thought I was like bossing life. And then I had this operation and like, I don't know, I wasn't really thinking about kids, but something felt so different. Felt like I was mourning a loss, like someone had died. I I wanted to know where the tubes had gone. Like, why didn't I see them? What did they look like? It was just horrible, 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 horrible period of my life. Um, But yeah, you know, I'm fine. Um, Life goes on. And in my head, I was like, oh, it's fine. I just have IVF, like, because IVF is really easy uh, and pain-free, not. Um, And I just continued to just have relationships where the sex just wasn't great. Like, I was really emotionally connected to the person, but it's just always been really, really painful. There have been certain times, like, when it's been okay. And I think those times of when I've been, like, incredibly relaxed and happy. But where I'm at with it now is that when I first met my husband, I was in a very, very happy and relaxed place and I didn't have anything like wrong with me, so to speak. Um, All of my like gut stuff and everything hadn't really cropped up yet. I was actually on the antibiotics for my skin when I first met him that really screwed over my gut, but I was like still fine at the time. And we had like a really normal sex life. You know, when you first meet someone, you just sex all the time and you feel like you kind of should be or you know you go out for dinner and obviously you come home and have sex and then when you've been with someone for a few years like you no longer have to do that and it's much easier just to kind of coexist with someone yeah. that you care about more as like your partner and your best friend rather than your sexual partner then we um so everything was fine and whatever it was never really it's always like un- not comfortable for me um uh, we moved to Australia together and that's when I kind of started getting really sick with all of my gut, everything. And Nick became more like my carer than my lover because mm-hmm. I was so unwell. I couldn't even contemplate having sex. Like for women, I think we really have to feel comfortable and secure to have sex because fundamentally it's a reproductive act. And, you know, biologically, like we need to feel secure and safe to want to reproduce, Right. And I didn't feel secure or safe because I was, 
actually Nick said it once he he was like you're not a selfish person but you're self-obsessed and that really hit home and it was in what sense like with so sex? true with everything because I couldn't I couldn't give anything to him in the relationship because I was so focused on getting myself better I was like no I can't do that because I'm unwell I need to I was like really really trying to just like get there mentally and physically and just you know I couldn't give anything of myself away because I was mm. keeping it all for my healing journey and all the energy I had was going to thinking all day about like what I could do differently like why I couldn't fix my gut why I was having all these skin reactions and all this stuff and since then and like getting better it's just been really hard or is really hard to to open myself up again emotionally in terms of wanting to have sex I mean I have zero libido I never like I could probably and this is quite shocking like I could probably never have sex again in my life and be fine Mm -hmm. and Nick and I talk really openly about this and he know everything I'm saying now he already knows and you know sometimes we do have sex (laughs) once every like four months or whatever really and I'm seeing a psychosexual counselor and she's pretty convinced that you know, there is so much trauma there that I'm just not really open in the way that I should be. But my, it sucks not having a libido. Like I really yeah. want to be that person, but how can you make yourself do something that one doesn't feel good and two, you just don't want to do? It's the pain thing. It stems from the, the pain and that emotional trauma you have. Yeah. I mean, there's other like foreplay I enjoy. But the actual act of penetrative sex, like, nah, I could just do without that. So it has it affected the relationship, like, in a negative way, you think? At points, yeah. But never in a concerning way. Okay. Nick's, like, the most amazingly tolerant and understanding person ever. And he's not one of these guys that, like, needs sex all the time. Thank God. Good. Um... But when I talk to some of my girlfriends, it does make me feel really inferior because I know that they're having sex every night. And like, I don't think that's normal for a lot of women, a lot of couples. I think, you know, once a week, once you've been together with someone for a while is pretty standard. But for Nick and I, like, I will literally do anything to avoid it, which is a horrible thing to say. But I just don't crave it. Like, I want to so much, but I just don't have the feelings, you know? And I, I totally, yeah. And I can't remember the last time I felt like I want to jump you. Like, I, yeah. to use an Australian expression, I want to jump your bones. Like, I don't get that anymore. And I think a lot of it comes from gut health and hormones and not quite being, like, regulated in the right way. And I kind of think, like, maybe it's, like, the last piece of the puzzle. Like, I'm doing so much better now in every aspect of my life. Maybe it's going to come. But I actually also think... I probably need to make more of an effort, you know? Do you, like, go down on him sometimes and... No. Not anymore. Why? I just can't. I literally can't. I've become really... I've become really self-conscious about my body. Really? Like, I'm happy to be naked around him, but as soon as I'm, like, naked around him and there's sex on the cards, I'm, like, my arms around me like this. Like, I'm protecting myself the whole time. And when we do actually have sex, he... I, like, I don't realize it, but I'm tensing my legs so much, like pushing against him, like literally trying to push him out of me. And this is something I'm doing completely subconsciously. You should see a hypnotherapist. 
psychotherapist. Yeah, or like CBT or something. I'm going to put you in touch with someone that I know. That would be fun. Because... Yeah. I do think it's a mindset thing. Oh, it's it's all mindset, babe. Mm. Unless there there's actual pain down there still, mm. it's mindset. I mean, there is, yeah. but it's manageable pain. And I think it's the kind of pain that I wouldn't really feel if I was enjoying it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mindset. I'm going to put you in touch with this girl. She's amazing. Mm. Fiona. I've gone to her. Um, and she did this whole like psychotherapy, hypnotherapy thing mm. on me about like my self-confidence issues from when I was a kid mm. and things came up that I didn't even remember about. Like it was crazy. Yeah. So I'll put you in touch with her, but this is your, I think this is healable. Like from my understanding mm. right now, like it's just like, remember what you just said to me in part one? Yeah. That it, you need to believe that you can heal your body. I know. You need to believe that you can get to a place of being sexually happy. How do you make your, like, because I don't feel sexy anymore. Like Because you're telling yourself I don't feel sexy. And I don't dress up, wear makeup. Okay, like- what if you start telling yourself, <laughs> damn, I look fucking good. Why don't you fucking start masturbating? Honestly, that yeah. will make you feel sexy and empowered and, like, explore your body more and be more mm. open. Because that's huge. Yeah. I'm going to put you in touch with this girl. It's, I think it's going to be revolutionary. And I'm going to tell you kind of a bit of my story from last year to relate a little bit. When I had candida overgrowth, and I talked about this on the podcast before, I was, this was last year for a matter of five months. Like this is like kind of just when I started dating Ben, like maybe three, four months in, I started getting chronic yeast infections. Mm-hmm. I was doing keto. I wasn't eating sugar or carbs. It was something bigger than that. Chronic yeast infections. I was a clean freak. I was always, you know, every, like, five times a day washing myself. Like, I was like, what, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And long story short, I won't get into it too much because I have so many podcasts on this. I had so many specialists on talking about this. But it was my hormonal birth control mm-hmm. that was affecting my gut bacteria in such an incredible way yeah, that I was too. not eating any sugar or carbs. I was not drinking any alcohol. And I was having chronic candida overgrowth yeast infections. Yeah. And everyone listening that's had a yeast infection knows. And also it's called thrush in the UK. Yeah. yeah. They know that you do not want to have sex. You feel yeah. gross. You feel dirty. You feel uncomfortable. And it's just a really shitty feeling. It's painful. Yeah. Oh, it's painful. I a, when I had all my gut dysbiosis, I had thrush all the time as yeah. well. It's yeah. all connected. And you're right. It's so sad that people don't understand about the hormonal pill and how it really, really can affect your gut bacteria. Oh God, I'm the biggest advocate. I I don't give a shit what you say. Don't go on synthetic yeah, yeah, hormones. Yeah. Use condoms. Babe. I mean, the benefit like, of all this is like, I do have inbuilt contraception. So Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> but no, I'm so against hormonal birth control. I can't yeah. even tell you. People are going to argue it and say, oh, but you can't, like one size doesn't fit all. I'm like, yes. Hormonal, yeah. synthetic hormones in your body as a woman is not good. So use condoms you, if you if you yeah. want to be safe. Know, and what is wrong with the condom? Like literally, women are, and everyone's so against them. But for me, even if I didn't, if even if I had fallopian tubes, there's no way I would go on the pill, have a coil, anything like that. Like I just, for me, it's just not natural, and it's not it's not how I would. I couldn't do it. I agree, and 
I was on the pill. I had the arm implant. I had the IUD. I've done everything and none of it worked for me. Yeah. And it causes a lot of issues even if you're on it and you don't actually see the side effects. Like it's still affecting your body in a huge mm-hmm. way. So anyway, that's another that's another story for another day. But long how story. How did you get back to like health? Yeah, okay, I'll tell you. How did you feel uh, like obviously you didn't really want to have sex. I'll tell you all about this. So okay. basically, and then my boyfriend, extraordinarily sexual every day really okay twice a day maybe every day he's very sexually Mm -hmm. needy and that's how he's always been and that's just part of who he is and he is constantly he just he feels anxious and angry if he doesn't have like if he doesn't get off so you know at the beginning of our relationship it was fine because I was like oh my god yay you know like our we're having a great sex life, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then I started getting these issues. And it was like for five, six months of the beginning of our relationship, it affected us. Mm. It affected me. We had fights about it constantly. He didn't get it. Yeah. And hard. like, you know, it's shit. So I was had the lowest libido for that time. And I would try to have sex with him to please him, but I was in pain. Mm. And it was really unsexy and I didn't feel good and I had so much anxiety around sex because I was like, I need to please this guy that I'm with and it's very important to him and I feel like I've had, I'm having health issues and all this stuff and it was really, really, really hard. I was going on these antibiotics, you know, the NHS mm. gave me all these pills and chemical shit that Just made, made worse. everything worse. My yeah. gut was fucked and I ended up going to a nutritionist that put me on these berberine and grapefruit seed extract pills and I just completely cleaned everything out and they really helped me and since then um, and I also weirdly went on a round of antibiotics um, and I went on these pills afterwards so I think because everything was killed from my gut after the antibiotics and mm-hmm. then I started going on these berberine pills I was taking six a day two with every meal and it just like was a reset so I guess the antibiotics there was kind of helpful in yeah. the beginning maybe I don't know but, um, so that was pretty much what, what cured me. And, um, you know, funny enough, I was eating carbs shortly after and it was totally fine. It wasn't mm-hmm. about really what I was eating. Cause I was so low carb last year. It was mm-hmm. more about the hormonal birth control, but anyway, yeah. So I got off the hormonal birth control around that time. So it was the pills and getting off of hormones that really helped me. So going back though, to the five, six months that I was sexually, off like I was and I usually have a pretty good libido and like it really is actually pretty dependent on how I feel about myself like you were saying like when since I've lost weight I've had way more of a sex drive because I feel like I feel like I feel sexier and lighter and I like my body more I feel more confident so that's helped but I'm definitely not like an every single day person Mm -hmm. and Ben and I still struggle with that to this day because he is yeah and you know for the first um, but going back to last year, just to kind of sum that up, it was really hard and I was, you know, going down on him a lot more and just to please him. And I think that I, I went through a point afterwards where we were having a lot of fights about it. Cause I was like, I don't want to do this, mm. you know? And he kind of had to give that up. And I was like, you can go freaking wank more. Like I yeah. used to really care when we first started dating, I was like, really against the porn thing I was really threatened by it for some reason and then by the end of this whole sex craziness with my yeast infections I was like babe go for it honestly Mm -hmm. like I I don't even care anymore because I'm just like you have your needs 
I'm not going to try fighting that because it's actually like cellular level ingrained in him. And he yeah. doesn't see it as the way, like the way that we see it. He doesn't see it as like, Oh, it's just sex. He's well, like it's totally different for men. Like yeah. they're not programmed. Like I was saying to you, women are actually programmed to only feel like they can have sex when they feel safe and mm-hmm. comfortable. Whereas for men, it's like anytime, any place. It's, like, a, it's actually a release for them. Yeah. They need to release. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been like definitely a work in progress. Now we were kind of trying to find this happy balance, like the past, um, you know, year and a half or more since we've been dating, like it's been a lot. Like I have given up a lot to please him. I feel mm-hmm. like I've been like, Oh, I need to please him. And I'm, I feel like I'm such a giver because like I always like to cook for him this, that, and he gives to me in so many ways as well that I feel like I need to match that in his needs. So I wonder whether, cause I don't, I wonder whether it's because Nick and I are married mm-hmm. that I no longer feel like, like I you need to have to do anything mm-hmm. because I know that we're set for life. We're best friends. We're a team. We're going to build a life together and all this stuff. I get what you're saying about, you know, when you're dating someone, even if it's only been a year and you're still just dating, you kind of feel like you need to put out because it's expected of you. But now that Nick and I are married, like maybe that's it. Maybe I don't, like, I don't feel like I have to because I know that he's just going to be there, which is, is terrible, but understandable. it's probably something I need to like think understandable. about. Understandable. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I just don't know about his needs because I, you know, obviously am not yeah. <laughs> involved in that. But like, if, if, like you said before, if he's not the kind of guy that needs it all the time, then I think that mentality, like, talk to mm. him about it, obviously, but like that mentality is okay. Whereas if you were dating a Ben, yeah. like my boyfriend, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. And it actually, literally wouldn't I work. think Nick being so tolerant makes it easier for me to avoid the subject, mm. you know, because I, because he doesn't need it the whole time. It's very easy for me to be like, okay, well you don't need it ever. Whereas maybe if I was confronted with a Ben, then I would have to just like get on with this grace and like get over your hangups and your problems. And I often feel like if we were having regular sex, it would be, it would get easier and mm. it would be better. But because we're not every time it's like, a massive deal because you're thinking it up in your head so much yeah whereas it's actually not as big of a deal it's as you really think it's really not is. a big deal no. you you need to talk to this chick i'm telling you yeah. hypnotherapy is gonna help 100 percent. i'm so yeah i will try anything <laughs> good and again like you said about the diet thing yeah you know believe that you can heal believe that you can change your mentality towards mm. sex yeah babe People change all the time. My mindset has changed. It's literally done a 180 since two years ago, the person I was two years ago. I'm a completely different person. I have different beliefs. I have different views. I have different opinions. I have Mm. different feelings towards things. Like you're going to change if you work hard on it and you're being open about it Mm. and you're just owning it and you're like, I want to help this. It's not like you're avoiding the topic even. Like you're really open and that's incredible. Yeah, and I I think the reason I am is because I realized that for so many women, um, it's it's all too common and I, I don't, oh, want, yeah. I don't want women to feel like they can't talk about this. No, I think I'm so open talking about it because I've had to talk about, you know, my intimate gynecological function with so many doctors and so many different people. It's like no big deal for me. But sometimes when you talk to your girlfriends, you realize that they're in the exact same boat, but no one's talking about this. We like, need to talk about it and we yeah. need to stop just kind of yeah, as women being submissive with our with our men and being like oh sure we'll have sex even if you don't yeah really really want to that day and that's what I'm starting to do with Ben I'm like babe our sex is going to be like 10 billion times better if we like 
don't do it every single day. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll do it more regularly because that's also, again, I enjoy it. Like I love having sex with him. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. But I think that when it becomes like a routine and it's like, we know position, we know what dirty talk, we know everything. Like it just gets a bit boring. And I'm like, I need different. And I like kind mm-hmm. of more spontaneity and stuff. So we've been working on these days, like having a lot more lead up and a lot more foreplay. So like we went out for dinner the other night and like, we were like, kind of dirty talking at the dinner table and then like that lead up what made great sex afterwards mm-hmm. and um just making it more interesting because when it does get to that routine kind of level and it's hard when you're in a long-term relationship to to break out of that but when you get to that point like it's not as sexy anymore so I told Ben I was like listen babe we've had sex every single time we've hung out literally for almost two years because that's your needs but my needs now sexually is that I want to make it a little bit less consistent and I need more lead up. I need more foreplay. Mm -hmm. And I was just very verbal with him on that. And he was like, okay, let's do it. Like, let's try it out for sure. So, um, yeah, I also think it's a really important thing to have a partner that like you can Mm -hmm. have open dialogue with and relationships, communication is the number one thing in the entire world. So yeah. Anyway, these days, Ben and I, like we won't have sex for like two days, which is a lot for us. And then we'll have sex like, you know, maybe two days in a row and then off and on. I know it sounds crazy, but that's, again, very different people, very different needs. So different. Very different needs. Mm. And because I'm now healed from my yeast overgrowth from last year, I feel like we're in a better place with it now. But last year, we went ages without it. Ages. And I could tell it affected the relationship because his sex on his list of needs is almost at the top. Yeah. And that's just who he is. And as much as we want to kind of frown on that and kind of be like, oh, men, like that's just it. You know, our needs might be like our love language is something else. His is physical attention. And even if that means just cuddling and scratching his back and kissing Mm -hmm. him, it doesn't have to actually mean penetrative sex. He just needs that like, yeah, you know, the whole love language thing is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Nick's is like physical contact. Yeah. So like me holding his hand, me hugging him, touching him in public, blah, blah, blah. Whereas mine is like when he does stuff for me around the house that helps me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It couldn't be more different. Like that's when I feel most love. It's like, oh, you like cleaned the kitchen without me asking you to. Like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's totally different for men men and women. Absolutely. But yeah. Yeah. And just being, and you know, Ben and I have had a lot of conversations about our different love languages. So he'll do things for me that he knows really, really is my love language. Like, mm. he, like, he's never written a fucking letter for a girl ever, okay? And, like, he's had many girlfriends. Like, he, that's just not really something he he thinks is a big deal because he's like, oh, it's just a letter. I'm such a card girl. I'm such a, like, write me a sappy letter and, like, you're mine forever. Yeah. I'm, I'm just very verbal, and I like having that kind of, like, intensity. Like, I'm a very intense, loving, romantic person, and you know, at the beginning of our relationship, we, we like had so many kind of like, we had butted heads a lot because he was like, you know, wanting physical attention. I was like wanting more romantic, like, um, writing stuff. And we had to like, it's all about communication. We are verbal mm-hmm. with each other. And I'm a very verbal person. I was like, listen, I love you. And I want to be with you for a long time. We need to talk about what we want because yeah. if not, it's going to boil up and we're going to end up breaking up. Like it's just a fact. So mm-hmm. You know, now he'll write me really cute love notes, leave me little notes here and there, write me emails. That's like so nice. it's cute, and then I'll be like, okay, like I'll give you blowjobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like the give and take, and but I do like I going back to the sex thing. Like 
if you truly have mental blocks towards something, you need to deal with that first. You can't just like force yourself to do something in a relationship. And if it's painful for you mentally and or physically, don't fucking do it. Deal with your own shit first. Yeah. I had to do that. I had to stand up for myself last year and I was like, I'm in pain. I'm not fucking you. Like, Mm -hmm. no, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, go watch more porn. Like where there's that's good. This is a phase in our relationship. I need to heal myself. I need to be selfish. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's fixable, definitely. But also, everyone's different. Mm. You know, I've been with, like, guys that aren't that sexual. And I was okay with that, too, because I yeah. was ne- then, in turn, not a sexual. And I think sex is not the, this one thing that you have as an identity for the rest of your life. It changes. It does change over the course of relationship. Changes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, it makes total sense that you've had emotional issues with mm. that. That's a textbook thing. Yeah. Like, emotional um, pain around this area of your body. Okay. Like, you're going to have negative emotional, you know, feelings towards it. That's just a thing. Mm, definitely. Get me to this hypnotherapist. I'm going to. She's great. <laughs> she really is great. Okay, guys. Amazing. We have seriously done an hour and 15 minutes of recording. <laughs> It's amazing. I could talk to you for ages. I'm so sorry. Everyone has to listen to my voice. Oh my God, shut up. I love your voice. You have a great voice. Can you let everyone know where they can find you? I know you have your own podcast. You have your Instagram and everything. I do. So I have a podcast called State of Mind, which is all things mental health, food and nutrition, sustainability, all that jazz. And I'm at Grace Kingswell on Instagram and my website for consultations, um, nutritional advice, that kind of thing is just gracekingswell.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mimi.